Well, uh, kids, this morning, I'm, I'm going to ask the kids that are in the service to, to interact with me quite a bit during this message, and the adults, uh, you can just watch on. No, you, there's, there'll be plenty for you as well. But, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask some questions, and I'd really like to hear the kids' thoughts on this. So what, so what I'd like you to do is I ask a question. If, if you'd like to answer, please raise your hand. And I'll, and I'll call on you. And I just, I just want to say right now, though, please forgive me if I forget your name. I have four kids of my own, and I often forget their names. Okay? So, so, let's, so, just, so please, be, please be gracious with Pastor Aaron. But, but here's the question I want to start with, and that is, what do you want to be when you grow up? What kind of profession would you like to pursue? What would you like to be when you grow up? Does any kid want to raise their hand? Oh, yes, Alex, what do you want to be? I want to be an electrical engineer. Oh, awesome, an electrical engineer. Very good. I think I might know one. Anyone else? What do you want to be when you grow up? I, I hear, I see you whispering to your parents. I can see you. Do you know this? I can see you while I'm preaching. I can see you. Who, 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 anyone else? Who wants to, wants to raise your hand? What do you want to be when you grow up? I, I can wait out the silence. Anyone? Any of my children? Do you have any aspirations? <laughs> one more, just one more. Anyone? Uh, yes. Astronaut. Okay, okay, okay. Duncan wants to be an astronaut when he gets older. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yes. I, I see that hand. Yes. A teacher. Oh, very wonderful. Very wonderful. Yeah, uh, uh, astronaut, electro-engineer, teacher, those, those are great. I, I know you guys were, were mumbling to your parents, other things. But you know, as, as I was listening to you, and these are great professions, by the way, but you know, you know what's something none of you said? And I, and I even bet you probably didn't even say to your mom and dad. None of you said, you know, when I, when I grow older, when I get older, I want my life to be hard. I don't think any of you said to your parents, and none of you said out loud at least, when I grow older, I want it to be hard for me. Uh, uh, do you want that? Do any of you kids want that? Do you want it to go hard? You see, no matter what career, what profession you aspire to, is it not true that all of you, when you get older, you want it to go well with you? I see, I see that hand. But, but let me just ask for sure. Let me ask you. Kids, when you get older, indeed, even right now in your life, do you want it to go well with you? Say out loud. Yes, one of my children. Anyone else? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, uh, of course you. Well, I tell you what. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 6. 
That's page 978 in that paperback Bible. And, and you know why I want you to turn there? Kids, I want you to turn there because in this passage, the Apostle Paul, he states a blessing. Indeed, in this passage, the Apostle Paul, he provides, listen to me, a road map for how it can go well with you in your life. This passage has a promise. Now, now as we're turning there, I want to ask the kids another question, and that's this, okay? Kids, and, and please raise your hand if this is happening to you. How many of you have ever received a letter or a note in the mail? Raise your hand. Oh, quite a few. It, it's, it, it's fun to get things in the mail, isn't it? Especially at your age because you're not paying any bills yet, right? <laughs> Anything addressed to you guys is a lot of fun. It's fun to get something in the mail. But listen to me, kids. You know what? You know who would never, ever, ever get something sent to him in the mail? A child living in Ephesus in the first century. You see, what you need to understand is that at the time the book of Ephesians was written, children were not highly regarded. In fact, as I was studying this week, kids, and this is, this is kind of disturbing, but many in the Greco-Roman world, they would put unwanted babies on a trash heap for others just to come by and pick up and then get a little of this, turn them into slaves. Indeed, the Roman Empire was callous and cruel towards unwanted babies. And sadly, it's not much different from today. But what I want you to know, please hear me, is that children, when, when the book of Ephesians was written, children were not valued, which makes our text this morning all the more surprising. Because you see, Paul does something extraordinary in Ephesians 6 verse 1. You know what that is? He writes to children. He writes to you. He addresses children specifically in this section. So what you're about to read, kids, is for you this morning. And the fact that Paul would specifically address children in this letter, it reminds us of an important truth, kids. You know what that truth is? And from Genesis to Revelation, we see this truth. And that is, God loves children. God values children. As my, as my dad is fond of saying, God's a family man. He loves kids. Indeed, what does Psalm 127 say? Children are a what? A gift from the Lord. But not only that, the fact that Paul specifically addresses children also reveals that Paul assumed, please hear me, that children would be present at church to hear this letter read. You know what? Tricks aren't the only thing that's for kids. You know what also is for kids? The Bible. This is why our Kids of Faith program teaches children Scripture. What when the kids are dismissed to go downstairs, we're not just playing games with them the whole time. We're just trying to keep them busy. We're teaching them Scripture. We're teaching them the Bible. Because Paul assumes that kids would be hearing Scripture and instructed in it. 
Furthermore, this is also why we purposely design our worship service to have you children present. In fact, this is also why the second Sunday of every month, like this Sunday, we intentionally have the older kids to sit in the service so they can hear the sermon as well. Listen, our Kids of Faith program is awesome. Our teachers are awesome. Our Kids of Faith program is great, but you know what? It's not a destination. It's a pathway. It's a pathway to help grow kids, know and learn God's Word, so they can sit in an entire worship service, much like right now, and hear God's Word read and proclaimed. Now, as we're about to see, Paul not only has instructions for you children, but for everyone, and okay, adults, pay attention now, everyone here this morning. So whether you're single, married, have children, don't have children, no matter your station in life, Paul has a word for you this morning. And what is that word? Well, if you haven't already, open up to Ephesians 6. And actually, to get the full context, I'm going to start reading back in verse 31 of chapter 5. So kids, follow along in your copy of God's Word as I, as I read this, and adults as well. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 31, we read this. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And now, kids, listen to this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And listen to this. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Amen and amen. This is God's good word. Okay, now, children, you're a little shy to start. So let me... Let me see if we, if you respond to this question. Let me ask you, what's something that kids do better than adults? Can you think of anything that kids do better than adults? Oh, yes. Play, play yes. They, play, they, they do play better than adults. Did I see another hand over here? What's something that kids do better than adults? Sleep, yes, yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Lots of metabolism. Well, their metabolism is better, yes. They're, they're metabolism. Yes, what do they do better? Energy, Energy yes. Yes, <laughs> they're more able to relax. This is, these are great observations, yes. Better at climbing trees, yes. What, Rita? They're honest. 
What, what's something else? Well, a couple more things that you think that kids are better at than, than adults. Yes. What, what was it? Technology. Technology. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, sir? Forgiveness? Yes. One group of researchers, listen to this, kids, one group of researchers found there's one very important thing that kids are actually much better at than adults. One very important thing, and you know what that is? It's knowing they are lost. In her book, A Field Guide to Getting Lost, Rebecca Solnit tells the story of her friend Sally. Her friend Sally is part of a search and rescue team in the Rocky Mountains. And listen to this, kids. Sally and her team once had a search for an 11-year-old boy who was deaf and was going blind. Can you imagine? The boy wandered off late one afternoon during a game of hide-and-seek. Now, now, the boy had been blowing a whistle that he had been given for such an occasion. But listen, the whistle could not be heard because the boy was near a loud stream. The roar of the water made the whistle almost impossible to hear. And keep in mind, because the young boy was deaf, he could not hear other people calling out his name. Well, after a harrowing night on his own, he, he spent the night all alone, when the sun came up, that little 11-year-old boy, he kept blowing his whistle. And thankfully, the search and rescue team finally found him. He was very cold, but he was okay. And in an interview after that rescue, Sally, she said this. Listen to what she said. She said, the key to survival often hinges on one thing. Knowing and admitting that you are lost. That's why kids are found more often than adults. They usually curl up in a sheltered place and wait for the rescuers. And unlike many adults who get lost in the Rockies, kids don't desperately try to save themselves. Instead, they aren't afraid to stop and admit that they need help. Kids, have you ever been lost before? It's a scary thing, is it not, to be separated from your parents? But, but tell me, what, what's the key to survival? What does she say is the key to survival if you're in such a situation? What's the key? Admitting you are lost. Admitting you are lost. But you know what, kids, even more important than admitting you are lost from your parents? It's admitting that you are lost from God. In a moment here, kids, we're going to talk about your relationship with your parents, but before we do, there is something even more important we need to discuss, and that is being lost from the Heavenly Father. You see, kids, the Bible teaches that we all come into this world just like that 11-year-old boy who was losing his sight and who was deaf. Spiritually, we are deaf and blind. However, we are not playing a game of hide and seek from our friends. No, we're actually running from God 
and living for ourselves. Uh, let me ask you kids, have you ever been mad something didn't go your way? Have you ever disobeyed your parents because something, did, something didn't go your way? Or kids, have you ever lied to get what you want? Or how about this? Have you ever fought with one of your siblings to get what you want? One more. Kids, have you ever gotten out of bed after your mom and dad said, stay in your bed? Hmm? Kids, you know what all those actions are? Please hear me. All those actions are the symptoms of a heart that is living for itself and not God. To be sure, those actions, those disobedient actions, they are sin. But kids, please hear me. What is at the root is a rebellious heart against God. And I have some bad news to tell you. Your rebellion, your sin, earns you something. And you know what your sin, your living for yourself, earns you? It earns you, please hear me, death and eternal separation from God in hell. Now, I want you to think about that just for a moment. The punishment you deserve for every disobedient action and living for yourself is suffering alone in darkness for all eternity. And it gets worse. There is nothing you can do to save yourself. Kids and adults, listen to me. And this is why we need Jesus. Because you know what the good news of Jesus is? For God to be good, for God to be just, He must punish sin. And the good news is is that Jesus Christ willingly died on the cross to absorb the punishment you are owed for your sin. This is what we sing about every morning, on Sunday morning. Jesus Christ, He lived the perfect, obedient life you failed to live. And then on the cross, Jesus took the punishment, the punishment you are owed for your sin, and then three days later, he rose from the dead. Kids, you are a soul that will never die. All of you, and all of you adults, you are going to spend eternity in one of two places. Either in hell, suffering for the sins you, are, you deserve to suffer for, or rejoicing in heaven because Jesus paid it all. Those are your only two options. And kids, please look at me. Because of your sin, you are owed judgment. But there is salvation in Jesus Christ. And you know how you receive the salvation? By doing what kids do best. Admit you are lost. 
Salvation comes to those who don't try to save themselves. Salvation comes to those who admit they are lost and instead they look to Jesus and trust that Jesus can rescue them from their sins. Children, have you done that? To all the kids here, and to all the adults, I hope you're listening, the most important thing I can tell you to do, even before I tell you to love Jesus, is to trust Him. Admit you are lost. Admit you're a sinner. And then believe with your heart that Christ died to save you of your sins. Have you done that? Because for those of you who have, put your trust in Jesus Christ. God has a good word for you in regards to how you're to relate to your parents. You know what that good word for you is in this passage? Look there in verse 1. It's children obey your parents. Paul in this passage, he's writing to Christian children. Just like Paul gave clear instruction to Christian wives and husbands in the previous section, so too here he instructs Christian children, children who are in the Lord, and he instructs them to obey their parents. Kids, please hear me. This is God's good word for you. God, kids, God has ordained an authority structure in your home. Your parents are your God-given authority that you must obey and submit to for your good. But first, don't leave here today without admitting you are lost and trusting in Jesus. It's scary to be separated from your parents, but it's far worse to be separated from the Heavenly Father and suffer for your sins. But Jesus came to forgive you of your sins. And so for those of you that do know the Lord, He wants you to obey your parents, for this is good. But I want, to, I want you to notice something, kids, about obedience. I want you to notice, listen to me, Obedience to your parents, and this is actually going to be good news to you, some of you. Obedience to your parents is temporary. Because look at what Paul says there in verse 31. Let's read it again. What is Paul's quoting from the Old Testament? He says, Therefore a man shall leave his who? What does it say? His father and leave also who? His mother. He shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Faith for everyone here. Do you know what happens in marriage? In marriage, a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves unto his wife. And in the act of marriage, everybody please hear me, a child is no longer under the authority of a mom and dad, but now they form a new family unit. Do you see this? Yet while obedience is temporary... There is something that all children owe their parents for their entire lives. And you know what that is? Honor. You see, when, 
I want to argue that when you read Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, in light of Ephesians 5.31, Paul is teaching us this important truth, and that is this. When it comes to a child's relationship with his parents, Paul teaches this. Obedience is temporary, but honor is forever. Obedience is temporary, but honor is forever. Christian, please note, there is no expiration date on the command for you to honor your father and mother. I'm not only talking to children, but I'm talking to adults now. There is an expiration date for obedience, but not honor. Honor is for a lifetime. Notice also there's no exception clause when it comes to honoring your parents. Regardless of how your parents treated you, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are commanded to honor your father and mother. Now you might say, but Aaron, you don't know my parents. You don't know my situation. You don't know what they've done. And you know what I would say to you? You're right, I don't. But you know who does? God. In fact, if I could just push in here for a moment. Christian, do you really think God was unaware of what your mom and dad have done, of how your mom and dad might have sinned against you or failed in their parental responsibilities when he inspired both Moses and Paul to write these words? Do you think God didn't have it in his mind every detail of your childhood when he gave this command? He did. And his good word for children towards their parents is this. Obedience is temporary, but honor is forever. So what I want to do is I want to look at these two commands one at a time. First to the children and then to everyone. So first notice God calls children to obey your parents. Look again at verse 1. Some of you know the, the song that was written to this not too long ago, I think by Steve Green. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, how many of you are familiar, kids, with the game Simon Says? Raise your hands if you know the game Simon Says. Okay, very good. Okay, imagine, imagine we're playing the game Simon Says, and we're gonna ha we'll have Mr. Skarsky. Mr. Skarsky is the leader, okay? And Mr. Skarsky says, Simon Says... Raise your hand. He says that, and I go like this. I, I wait. I wait. I wait a little bit longer. I still go like this. I go like this. I go like this. And I go like this. So tell me, according to the rules of Simon Says, am I still in or am I out? Say it like you mean it. You're out, right? No, I mean... Eventually, I got my hand up there, right? But I'm really not following what he said, right? I'm not doing what Simon says. Kids, God has just one simple command for you, and that is to obey your parents. But here's the million-dollar question, kids. What does it mean to obey? Well, here's where the game Simon Says can actually help us out. 
Let me give you an example or a definition of obedience, kids. And this is obedience. Ready? To obey means that you do what you are told all the way, right away, with a happy heart. In fact, let's have everyone say that italicized sentence. Ready? Obey all the way, right away, with a happy heart. This is not only true for children, but for Christians. How are you to obey the Lord? All the way, right away, with a happy heart. Are we modeling this to our kids? You see, listen to me, partial obedience does not round up to full obedience. It rounds down to disobedience. Delayed obedience or partial obedience is disobedience. So, so kids, when you're playing a video game or you're outside with your friends and your mom says, come in for dinner, you're not to say, okay, I'll be there in a minute. Oh yeah, let me, let me just finish this up. No, you're to be all the way, right away, with a happy heart. And I want you to notice, kids, that Paul gives you two important truths to help you obey your parents. The first is that you are to obey your parents as God's child. This is what Paul means when he says, children obey your parents in the Lord. This is why, before we even got here, I wanted you to clearly understand the gospel and encourage you to put your trust in Christ. Now, should all children obey their parents regardless of their Christians or not? Yes. But Paul is writing to Christian children and he says, you are to obey your, children, your parents in the Lord. Indeed, I mean, think about this. One of the main themes that Paul has been hammering home in Ephesians 1-3 through is our union with Christ. Friend, if you placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you are God's forever child. You, you belong to Him. And what Paul wants all Christian children to see is that you obey your parents. Kids, please hear me. You obey your parents out of obedience to your Heavenly Father. Children, your earthly parents are important. But please hear me. They're really like middle management. Okay? You obey them because that's what your Heavenly Father wants to do. And by way of application, I want all the kids, I want to encourage you to do something. Here, and this is, I want you to talk about this with your parents when you get home. But here's my application for you. When God's Son, Jesus Christ, was on the earth, we repeatedly see Him acknowledging the commands God the Father had given Him. Indeed, Jesus sought to honor His Father. So here's what I'd like you to do whether they ask this of you or not, but kids of faith, when your parents instruct you to do something, I want to encourage you to immediately respond with, yes ma'am, yes sir, or yes mom, yes dad. Maybe that's already a practice in your house, maybe it's not. But as your pastor, I want to encourage you to do this, even if your parents don't ask you. If they tell you to do something, you immediately reply, yes ma'am, yes sir, 
or yes, mom, yes, dad, and here's why. You know what that reply does? It honors your parents by acknowledging, I've heard your instruction, and I'm now going to obey. You know what else it does? It acknowledges that you are under their authority and that you are to, be, that you are to obey them. So kids, this Mother's Day, what a gift you could give your moms. It's to begin this habit in your life. When given instruction, don't be silent, but respond, yes ma'am, yes sir, and obey all the way right away with a happy heart. But then second, to faithfully obey your parents, kids, look at me, you have to believe that it's right. You know why it's right for a child to obey his parents? Because it pleases the Lord. In Colossians 3.20, Paul writes this, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. If you want to please your heavenly Father, obey your earthly father and mother all the way right away. Now, I want to be really pastoral to, to you kids. And as your pastor, I want to talk, what are some of the, what's one of the major roadblocks that prevents children from obeying their parents? You know what, one of the, the probably the, the biggest thing that keeps kids from obeying their parents, you know what it is? I would suggest to you, it's Pride. Talk to my parents. I was like this when I was a kid. We can think as children, or children, you can think that you know better than your parents, or that you need an explanation before you're to obey your mom and dad. Yet, kids, I want you to notice nowhere in the Bible does God tell children they're to obey their parents only after their parents have made a compelling case to do it. Children, please hear me. Your parents do not owe you an explanation. Now, they can give you one, but you're not owed one. Instead, what you owe your parents, as a child of God, is full obedience. So, so Christian child, if you're frustrated with your parents, if you feel like they are missing the mark... I would lovingly direct you to these two verses. Proverbs 3, 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Christian child, God calls you to walk in humility. And on the street level, you know what it, walking in humility means? It means acknowledging, I don't know what I don't know. It means considering my parents might know something that I don't. Even if in the moment I think I see reality perfectly, I may, maybe I don't. So joyfully obey your parents, for this is right. Believe it is right. Now, some of you might be wondering, 
and this is a legitimate question, when is a child no longer a child? That is, when does one pass from childhood and come out from under his parents' authority? Children are to obey their parents, and this is temporary, but when's that moment? Well, the, the clearest moment is what we've already discussed when marriage takes place. That you leave a father and mother and you cleave unto your spouse. You are no longer biblically obligated to obey your parents. You're to honor them, that's forever. But there's a new unit. But here's a question but what about a child who's 18, 19, 20, 21? Or, or what about the child who goes away to college but then comes back to home and lives during the summer? Well, what, what about that? Does the Bible speak to that situation? They're not married, but then they're late teens, early 20s, maybe even 30s, and they're living at home. Okay, does the Bible speak to this? I believe it does. But first it needs to be said this. Please, please hear me. Uh, and I will say this with humility. I am willing to be corrected, but I cannot find any verse in the Bible that says that once a child turns 18, they no longer have to obey their parents. And they're free to live however they want. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. And again, I'm willing to be corrected and shown differently. That said, though, the Bible does speak of a child coming of age. And I believe John chapter 9 is very helpful here. You might be familiar with this. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals the man who was born blind. Do you remember this? And the Pharisees hear about it, and they can't believe it. So they call for the man's parents and say, tell me, how was your son healed? And do you remember what the parents say about their adult, unmarried son? They actually say it twice. They say this to him, ask him, he is of age. It says it in 921 and 923. Ask him, he's of age. So, so there's two things to note here. First, I believe this text does affirm that there's a time when an unmarried child can be out from under his or her parents' authority, and now they are solely responsible to God for their actions. But then secondly, and arguably most importantly, I believe this passage affirms that such authority is given to the child from the parent, not taken from the child. In John 9, it is the parents who say, we say he is now free. Before God, no longer has to obey us, he's free to make his own choices and decisions. He's out from under our parental authority. I think the warp and woof of the Bible says that authority is something that is granted, not taken. And I think John 9 illustrates this. Now, when this moment takes place, when, a, when parents freely send out their kids, say, You're now, you no longer have to obey us, you have to honor us, but you don't have to obey us, that's going to require wisdom and discernment. And I would encourage you parents now of young kids, begin talking about this with your kids. Because they might have the assumption, Hey, I'm 18, see you later, I'm going to do what I want to do. Have these conversations now. But in a healthy, God-honoring home, 
Parents will joyfully give their grown adult children freedom and authority to make their own decisions. Because remember, parents, look, we train up our kids not to keep them with us. Amen? We train up our children to send them out. And we're going to talk about this more next week. But as Christian parents, we want to train our children to be dependent on God, independent from us, and interdependent on the church. We want, to, we want them to, to learn to lean on the Lord, dependent upon Him, independent from us, but interdependent on the church. All right. Now second, and we're, and we're, we're coming in. Everyone is to honor their parents. Look again at verses 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. On August 8, 2019, Southwest Airline, a Southwest Airline agent announced over the speakers at Dallas Lovefield Airport that they were about to receive a significant arrival. An inbound plane from Oakland was carrying the remains of an American airman, Colonel Roy Knight Jr., who was shot down during the Vietnam War in 1967. It was reported that Colonel Knight ejected from his aircraft, but no parachute was seen deployed. A search was undertaken, but they could not find him. However, his remains were recently discovered, identified, and returned to the United States. And then with growing emotion in his voice, the Southwest agent said this, Today, Colonel Knight is coming home to Dallas. Those of you who travel know, airports are rarely quiet, but in that moment, for a few moments, Dallas Love Field felt absolutely silent. The Southwest agent continued. He said before deploying, Knight said farewell to his family at that very airport. He waved goodbye to his wife and children, the youngest child being a five-year-old son named Brian. It was the last time he would see any of them. TSA agents stood solemnly in a line near the gate, Yet the gate agent had one more announcement to make. Holding the microphone in his hands and taking a long pause and a deep breath, he said, Today, the pilot of the plane bringing Knight home is his son, Brian. That same five-year-old little boy who waved goodbye to his dad in 1967 at that very airport he grew up and he became a pilot just like his dad. And today he's a captain with Southwest Airlines. Colonel Knight received many honors for his service to his country, but his final honor would involve his own family. 
his son Brian would be the one to fly his father home 52 years after that goodbye. Now, there are many emotional elements to that story, aren't there? <laughs> Yet, what I want to suggest, what makes that story so moving, is how it powerfully captures the essence of honor. There is weight to that story, isn't there? There is weight and significance to the son's action in finally flying and bringing his dad home. And you see, Faith, as many of you know, the word honor, it literally means heavy or weighty. To, to honor one's parents is to give due weight to their position. That is, we hold them in high esteem. We value them. When we give weight to something, we ascribe worth to it. Paul instructs all Christians to do the same with their parents. We are to honor them. This command is for everyone, whether you're a young boy or an older man. Christian, you are called by God to honor your parents. And you know what is arguably the most important way, Christian, you can honor your parents? You can forgive them. Friend, there are no perfect parents. All have fallen short of their children's expectations and in all likelihood, their own expectations. Our parents have sinned against us. They've made unwise decisions. They've had unrealistic expectations. We live in a Genesis 3 world. Every person's a sinner. And if you have parents, they undoubtedly have sinned against you. And I want to suggest that one of the best ways you can honor your father and mother is by forgiving them. Especially in light of what Paul just taught in chapter 4, verses 31 through 32. And I, I just want to press in here for a moment and ask, are you bitter towards one or both of your parents? Are you controlled by bitterness and anger? Does that bitterness and anger work its way out of you in the way you treat your parents and you talk to other people? Christians, such actions are not just harmful, they are sinful. You serve a forgiving Savior and He commands you to forgive just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Again, our God who wrote this command knows every detail of your childhood. Every detail. And you who have received God's forgiveness in Christ, you can honor your parents by forgiving them. Second, you can honor your parents by speaking well of them. I recently spoke with a Christian man and during the conversation, this guy was just railing against his parents, especially his dad. And, and this guy, he grew up in a Christian home with parents who loved the Lord. And this guy also, he, he, he's a father, he has children of his own. And as he's sitting there just going on and on about 
all the, how he just can't, so irritated at his parents, his dad, I kept thinking to myself, man, I sure hope your kids speak much more graciously and kindly about you than the way you're talking about your father. It is in vogue today to throw parents under the bus. Indeed, I'm... I am going to say it. One of the reasons why I have a disdain towards secular counseling therapies is because I, I, I will tell you what they will do. They, you will sit down, you will pay money, and they'll say, tell me about your childhood, and they'll blame your parents for something to make you feel like a victim. And then keep coming back next week with your credit card. Th- this is it. And as God's people, we must fight this temptation. Indeed, as Paul has made abundantly clear in verse 29 of chapter 4, there is to be no corrupting talk coming out of our mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. What else at the end of chapter 5? We are called to put away all anger, wrath, clamor, slander. Indeed, what does Paul write in chapter 5, verse 4? We're to replace such talk with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving that includes giving thanks to God for your parents, imperfect and flawed as they might be. When was the last time you gave thanks to God for your parents? When was the last time you told them how much you appreciate them? When was the last time you chose to dwell on how God has blessed you immensely through your parents, even with all their warts, flaws, and sins? Christian, it is wrong to fail to give thanks to God for all the ways He blessed your parents, especially Christian parents, and instead just focus on the several things you didn't appreciate that they did. So Christian, do you speak well of your parents? Or are you like that guy I spoke with? Do you honor your parents with your words or dishonor them? So Christians, please hear me. Speak well of your parents. Speak well of them while they are alive. Speak well of them after they are dead. Speak well of them to your siblings, to your spouse, to your children. Speak well of them to our churches and our communities. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying that we, we don't view reality correctly. We should. But we honor our parents by speaking well of them. Third, you can honor your parents by supporting them. And I just don't mean financial support, but other forms of love and care. At a time when millions of elderly adults are living alone, consigned to nursing homes and hospitals, cared for by professionals rather than family members, Christians have the opportunity to display special honor. I, I There's a, a, a dear older man, he's in his 80s, um, who uh, I know whose wife is in the hospital and he goes to the, to the hospital twice a day to see his wife. 
and none of his kids go there. That should not be. Then one last thing I would suggest. Make it your aim. You can honor your parents by making it your aim to please Jesus. Should you please your parents, your elderly parents, as you care for them? Yes, but that can't be your ultimate aim because you know what? They may not be pleased. They might think it's enough. You, you can't have your parents' approval be the barometer for you. It must be pleasing Jesus. So to close, I like to return where we started, and that was with this promise in verse 3. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. What does that mean? Well, kids, if I could have your eyes once more, as Proverbs and the rest of Scripture makes clear, there's a general sense in which honoring one's parents brings about both blessing and safekeeping. Kids, if you obey your parents, it will go well with you. Scripture repeatedly testifies to this principle. And you know what? So does life. I broke my arm as a young boy. You know why? Because I didn't listen to my mom and my dad. They said, Aaron, don't walk along the edge of the above-ground pool. They could have said, it will go well with you if you obey me. <laughs> I didn't do that. I walked along the edge. I slipped, I fell down, and I broke my arm. Learn from my mistakes. Okay? If you obey your parents, it will go well with you. But there's something else I want us to consider Based on what Paul has taught about Christ's work in the first three chapters, I want to suggest that this is a promise fulfilled. This is what I mean. Under the old covenant, the promise, this promise depended upon strict adherence to honoring father and mother. Failure to keep the command resulted in a short life because the law required the death penalty. Likewise, for the nation, when God's son Israel disobeyed their father, he exiled them from the promised land. But now listen to this. However, because Christ has perfectly fulfilled the law and written the law on our hearts, this is a promise fulfilled, not just a command required. That is, through our union with Christ, we receive the rewards for his perfect obedience to this command. In the old covenant, that reward was the land. However, in the new covenant, the promise of the land is not physical land on earth, but eternal life. Indeed, what did we learn in chapter 1 of Ephesians? The Spirit guarantees that inheritance for us. All this to say, it will go well with us for all eternity because of what Jesus Christ has done and our union with Him by faith. Amen? We, we have the promise that it will go well for us for a bazillion million years because of what Christ has done. Amen? You see, we are not without a biblical model for honor and obedience. We see them both perfectly displayed in Jesus. Though he was God, he was born to earthly parents and he willingly, joyfully, perfectly honored and obeyed them. He honored and obeyed his earthly father and mother and he honored and obeyed his heavenly father. Think about this. In all that he did, he spoke well of his father. He directed glory to his father. He carried out the will of his father and of course he obeyed. All without losing a trace of autonomy or dignity. 
And if we want to honor and obey our parents, we must learn about Jesus. If we want our children to honor and obey us, we must teach them about Jesus. He, as always, is the perfect example of how to obey and follow God's law. Amen? Let's pray.